Grr, arg. Hands up, guys. Here we go. I'm going to leave that in. <clears throat> ah. ah, podcast voice. Okay, here we go. Hello there. Welcome to episode eight of the Mixtape Podcast, the podcast dedicated to deconstructing the films that we love from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host. My name is Marcelo Inestroza, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Dean Stark. And on today's show, we'll be discussing the 2012 film Prometheus. So, with that being said and done with, as we do every week, Dean is going to take us through a walk in the woods of the film. So, Dean, you want to kick us off? Yes, I want to preface this by saying my co-host Marcelo knows a lot more about this movie. He's seen it a whole bunch more of times. So he might probably will. There's a 100% chance he will be correcting me on a lot of stuff because this is I'm not knowledgeable in this movie, although like I've only seen it one time before. Um, if I skip something, which, look, anybody who's seen Prometheus knows that there's a lot of shit in this movie. Like you have to pay attention. The writing is just it's so sharp and I probably missed a lot of shit. Like there's probably going to be a lot of times in this podcast where Marcelo goes, wait a minute, you missed this. And I'm going to be like, ah, oh, fuck. So I, I wrote down as much as I possibly could write down without going completely insane because this movie is so good. It's so intense. It just, it, it, you have to listen to every single word of dialogue. Otherwise you will miss something. And I probably fuck it. Even in the 20, thousand pages of notes I took, I probably missed something. So Prometheus, 2012, directed by Ridley Scott. After a clue to mankind's origins is discovered, explorers are sent to the darkest corner of the universe. The different expectations take on not take a toll on them when they find something unimaginable. So the opening of this movie I quite like because it, it's showing it's not telling so the opening is these beautiful landscape scenes and it's it's like it looks like a barren wasteland there's no civilization it's really dark tones and that really sets up the movie it really sets up this is what you're in for you don't know what you're in for but it's it's mysterious and it's kind of an enigma which is what this movie is so I really like the choice that Ridley Scott chose to do these beautiful landscape scenes I don't know where they filmed it and they probably did put a filter over the camera when they filmed it they probably fucking filmed it in Utah when let's just put it blue filter over it. I don't know, but it's beautiful. The music, the score of this movie, I I actually said to Marcelo before we started recording uh, yesterday, actually, I, I said to him, the score sounds like Superman. Like if you close your eyes, you get Superman vibes. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it kind of sounds like like Superman. But for the most part, I really, really enjoyed the the score to this movie. Do you have any thoughts on the opening scene and the score? Yeah, the opening scene to this movie really sets the tone that we're really in for a strange movie uh, in, in the best kind of way. And I really love how the score invokes, invokes this sense of mystery and forebodedness and Ridley Scott's choice to show to 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 choose to to show this barren wasteland and the way that he did with the volcano uh and the and the waterfall and then the 
white being that drinks this specific black substance was really, really striking. Yeah, so we see a, a being which we think is human. He's in a cloak. He takes off his cloak and you see his we, – well, we don't really know who he is, what he is, but he looks humanoid. We don't know how big he is, how small he is. There's no – because everything's just a barren wasteland. You can't get a gauge. But he's human-looking, but he's not human. So you're kind of going, okay, uh, and you're kind of a little bit confused at, 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 at looking at him. Beautiful design, by the way. I like uh, what do you do, do you love the design I love the design of these what we will find out to be engineers but we don't know that yet do you love the design of the engineers or do you love the design of the engineers the design of the engineers is quite striking they they look like they are some sort of godly being they look like they've been sculpted out of marble so the production on the engine- oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the production on the engineers is quite ex- is quite exceptional, and also the production design across the entire film is phenomenal in its own right. So I did notice the production design of these earthly beings or the engineers, as uh, we will come to know them as as we go forward here in the movie. But I thought the production design of the overall film was spectacular. Yeah, it's um, it, the production designer. Like, I probably should know <laughs> the name of the production designer, but I don't. I'm sorry, but um, shout out to whoever you are. But anyway, so we see this humanoid. He takes off his his cloak. We see him. We don't really know who he is. He um, he opens like it kind of looks like a jar, and he takes like the top off, and there's this black tar substance that's in it. And he drinks it, and within a few seconds, he kind of starts convulsing. His body starts, um, like, disintegrating from the inside out, and you're like, what? Like, what is happening? And then, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful effects. And then he falls off this cliff into, this, into the ocean. You see this beautiful shot of him under the ocean just disintegrating, and his entire being is kind of just the water is, is lifting all these particles up. And when we, uh, what Ridley has done is, is when he's disintegrating, he actually goes inside of this humanoid's body, and you can see his DNA breaking apart. And you're like, what? Like, what is this movie? Like, <laughs> is this a science movie? Because if you didn't know it was connected to Alien, you'd be like, I don't even know what I'm watching. But anyway, when he once he kind of disintegrates, um, and the black stuff starts rising, you go inside of the DNA again, and you see it starting to sort of, um combine it's it's broken apart and now it's starting to get put back together again and you still fucking don't know what's going on but i loved that opening scene because with the barren wasteland with the what the fuck is going on with this humanoid dude um with the dna um altering the dna taking it apart and then putting it back together like bonding it back together i just thought what a wonderful setup for a sci-fi movie because it really for me watching it for the first time in the cinema i was like what this, what is this this is gonna be like awesome so what are your thoughts on on that that scene yeah when uh when the engineer fell to his death and you know and ridley scott decided to do that magnificent shot of going into his body showing his molecules being rewritten and and seeing uh, the some other molecules pop up in his body really told really um, let the audience know 
that they were in for a different type of movie. Perhaps they were in for a movie that would make the audience ask questions about their lineage and where they came from. And I thought that was a brilliant choice. But also the one mistake that I thought uh, the marketing team did during the marketing of this movie is that they went out of their way to tell everyone, no, 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 no. This movie has nothing to do with Alien. It wasn't until two weeks until it, it wasn't until two weeks before the movie came out in the U.S. that the marketing team, Ridley Scott, and everybody involved with the movie woke the fuck up and they were like, uh, everybody knows that this is a prequel to Alien, so we might as well lean into it. And if we lean into it, prop, uh, you know, it's it, you know, um, if we lean into it, it's possible that we that we might get more butts in the, we might get more butts in seats. So I appreciated the overall mystery of this movie, but I thought it would have helped it a little bit more if they would have said from the outset, this is a fucking prequel to Alien. But if they had said that, then people would be expecting aliens and there's like no aliens in it except for literally the last shot of the movie. Are people and people would be pissed. They'd be like, this is you yeah. you you're yeah. you're marketing an alien prequel with no fucking aliens. Like they knew that people would be pissed. Yeah. So I do get it, but I do agree with you as well. They should have said something. Yeah, but I understand that. But also also but I mean, look, look, look. I understand people going into this film and then possibly coming out of it being upset because you know, they're like, uh, you guys marketed this as an alien movie and there's only one, there's only like one goddamn alien at the end of the movie. But, you know, I would have, I would have stood up to those people and said, uh, excuse me guys, hence, I mean, don't you understand what the word prequel means? But then again, that is my filmmaker brain slash writer brain, you know, wanting to, you know, sock dumb people upside the head who don't understand <laughs> how how prequels work and how they are constructed but i i i totally understand or i could totally see where you're coming from uh from that side of the argument yeah i i agree with you i think from the start they should have said something but i think again yeah when people hear alien prequel it's more so even though it is an alien prequel it doesn't. Pl- it kind of doesn't play that way. It plays more people trying to find out their origins, like like how how mankind was made. I feel like that was like the that's the main story, and the alien thing is like a subplot. Like that's how it plays to me. So it doesn't feel like a straight up. Um, prequel. It feels like oh, the alien things a side note. Like if you took out the alien stuff, which there's not a lot of alien stuff in this. There's like 5% of it is like to do with alien. If you take out that stuff, then you could have had just this movie be standalone. There wasn't a lot of alien stuff in it, which again, I, I think maybe they thought people think they're going to see a movie, not necessarily like with aliens, but maybe like about the origin of the aliens, which is what we got, but it felt like a subplot to this story in my opinion. The most interesting part about this movie to me, I mean, I just spent what 10 minutes defending this movie being, uh, being connected to aliens, but the, 
The most interesting part about this movie to me is the moral questions that it asks, that the moral questions that are raised by the two lead characters in this film, uh, Elizabeth and Holloway, and basically what they wanted, basically what they're on is they are on the search for God. So like you said, if the alien stuff is taken out of this movie, this movie would work as a science fiction movie about two scientists searching for the meaning of life. Yeah, 100%. So the alien thing, like you said, is a bonus. And the alien thing is what is what possibly sold this movie. But for me, as a, as a, you know, atheist, uh, you know, please wait in line to shoot me in the back. I, I am tremendously fascinated with what this film tried to say about people trying to find out where they came from. I am fascinated with the moral implications, the moral questions that this, that this movie asks without the alien stuff. So the next scene after this is um, we're introduced to a couple of explorers. They're, um, they find a, a cave with cave paintings, beautiful cave paintings that look, you know, thousands of years old. And we're introduced to who are, well, we're not introduced, like we don't know who they are yet, but we will, we will, we will be. It's um, Dr. Elizabeth Shaw and Dr. Holloway. And the thing... The thing that gets me about this scene when I was watching it again yesterday, I wanted to bring it up with you, is these beautiful cave paintings of these giant beings and they're kind of pointing to planets. They're like pointing to the stars, pointing to planets. And, you know, she says, I think they want us to come and find them. And I was, I don't, it just struck me as like, that's what you get off that painting? Like, that's that's how you or is it is it what she just wants to do or is there I mean I don't know I didn't get that like how did she get that like oh I think this is what they want us to do like how could she possibly like know that that was a really long leap uh but I could I could see that being possible by I mean the 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 great thing about Shaw is that we will come to learn that she is a person of strong conviction, and faith. And when somebody wants something so bad, if they're given one ounce of proof towards what they want to hear or towards what they want to figure out, they will jump through hoops to get to the possible answer that they want. So with that being said, when um, Elizabeth saw the cave paintings of the when Elizabeth saw the drawings of the engineers in the cave and then, you know, Holloway saw it, you know, and then they basically decided to go where they end up going. That's not a, that's not a huge stretch to me knowing the types of people that they are or the types of characters that they are. Any sane person would be like, guys, you need a little bit more evidence. Come on. The next scene it's you're okay you're in a cave you've found cave paintings in the middle of nowhere and then the next scene you're in a spaceship in the middle of space i thought it was a bit jarring i understand why they did it because they needed to get into the story but i just thought oh how did they get why are they and obviously it's, it is explained but i just thought 
for me, it was just a bit of a a jump without kind of telling the audience what's happened. I completely understand where you're coming from of it being too drawing. Perhaps if they would have shown like one or two scenes of Elizabeth and Holloway talking to Whalen and trying to convince Whalen to take them on the journey, maybe that would have been sufficient enough for you to then shoot them off into space? Would it, would that have worked for you? I just think we needed something in between. It was just, for me, it was just a bit like, oh, and like I said, it is explained, which we'll come to. But for me, it was just like, oh, they're cave. Oh, how did, how are they, why are they there? How are they there? But it, it, again, it's explained. But just in that moment, I was like, oh, (laughs) what's going on? Why are they here? So anyway, we're on a ship. We're on a beautiful ship. Well, not beautiful. It just looks aesthetically pleasing. And everybody's cryogenically frozen and, there is some dude walking around on the ship and we don't know who he is yet. He's the only one awake. He's checking on everyone that's cryogenically frozen. He's watching movies. He's dyeing his hair. He's drinking coffee. He's playing basketball. He's doing random shit. And you're kind of like first time watching this movie. You don't know who he is. You don't know what's going on. And then, um, Charlize Theron's character wakes up and the first shot you have of her is quite like on the big screen. It's quite jarring. (laughs) It's just this full-on close-up and she's just drenched and her hair's in her face and she's just got this look of like, I've just woken up and I'm mad about it. She's like doing these push-ups and this guy comes in and she knows him and he knows her and she's a bit she's a bit abrasive with him and you're kind of like, oh, okay, you don't really know her character yet. You will not like her if you've not seen this movie. I fucking hated her character. Anyway, we'll get to her bitchiness in a minute. But, um... So Charlie Sam is awake and then she asks, how long have we been asleep? And he says, you've been in, you've been in cryo for two years. And then she says, wake everybody up. So he goes and wakes everybody up. Uh, We're introduced to a few. Uh, Tell me, have I missed something? Yeah, you did. Before. All right, go. Yeah. Before she says, wake and wake everybody up. She asks something very, very important. Um, I felt oh, that God. I should have said this. I, I felt that I should have said this from the outset, but something that I have said in previous editions of our show in screenplay vernacular to make it easy for those of you who are listening to us who don't understand screenplays or the way screenplays are supposed to be written, it's very important for you to drop hats on the ground to where you're going and what you're going to, you know, and what you're ultimately going to reveal in the story that you're telling. And Charlie's Theron does something very, very small, but very, very important before she tells, before she tells, uh, um, David to wake everybody up who we learn is the name of the guy who was sort of looking after the crew as they slept in cryo. She goes after David says, you know, this is how long we've been in space. She says, is everybody okay? Did anybody die? And when you first watch that, when you first watch this movie, that is very, very, that comment is very, very innocuous. And that comment doesn't seem to have anything behind it. But in multiple watches of this movie, and when you find out where this movie is going, that simple line to me is the screenplay writer dropping a hat on the ground. 
did you feel that as well or or did you or did you read that as like a like a just a normal line that a character would say I read it – I didn't read it as dropping a hat. I read it as part of her character and showing that she doesn't give a shit because she just said it so nonchalantly. Did anybody die? Nope. Okay, cool. Like very military, very – and you kind of get a gauge of, oh, okay, this woman has literally no feeling. So what I got from it is different to what you got from it. I didn't think it was dropping a hat. I just thought it was showing who she is as a character. So – um, so anyway, moving on, uh, yep. David wakes everybody up. We're introduced to a few characters. There's a lot of, there's a lot of got uh, characters in this, in this story. I'm not going to go through all of them. We're introduced to a few, um, Charlize Theron is then kind of, um, introduced again as the boss lady. She's the boss. She's in charge. Um, you know, she's, she's boss lady. So we go to the next scene where everybody's, everybody's sitting in, I don't know, the cargo bay, wherever it is. And there's this holograph holographic kind of, um, movie that's played and Wayland is, is talking about, and this is where you get to understand why it was such a sharp cut from the caves to the, um, the spaceship. He's explaining, everything. Shaw and Holloway came to me. They explained this. So yeah, it was, it was, it, it probably was good to do it that way, but you know, just to save time because this movie's already two hours and it could have probably been longer. I really like the way that this briefing scene is structured because for the first time, it really gives you, it really gives you a, uh, 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 you know, a beat by beat briefing as to why these people are out here, what they're after, and what they hope to what they hope to gain from it. Before that, you just knew that these two scientists were looking for God and you were thrown into space. So it's very, very off-putting and you really don't get a good sense of where the story's going until this brief in, until this until this briefing by Holloway and Elizabeth in the hangar to every to everybody else. So I would have done it a little bit differently. I would have done it um, similar to what you would have wanted. I would have had a scene or two right after Elizabeth and Holloway found the drawings in the cave. So I wouldn't have to do this big briefing scene in the, in the hangar bay once everybody woke up from cryo. Yeah, I, I would have done it like that too, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Uh, but anyway, so Wayland um, introduces um, the dude we saw walking around that was checking on everyone in cryo as David, and he is an android. And I'm so glad they put an android in this. They've had an android in pretty in, in every, every single sort of alien movie, and I really like androids. Um, so he's an android, and then Dr. Holloway and Elizabeth Shaw start explaining why they're there and why – because everybody – Everybody there does not know. Well, most people there don't know why they're there. Like this is the first time they're hearing about it. I don't know why anybody would go on a mission, be cryogenically frozen for two years and not know what the mission is. Like so I just found that a bit, mm, yeah, it's stupid. Like, so dumb. like nobody would do that. Like, no, I'm not going to be jettisoned over the other side of the fucking universe and you're not even going to tell me like what it is that I'm doing. That's ridiculous. No, no. It's, uh, I mean – it is. It is so ridiculous. I mean, uh, when they first wake up, um, there's this. There's this character. I can't remember his name right now, 
but he's played by um i can't remember the actor's name but the guy uh you know is sitting sitting at one of the tables sipping soup and another one of the crew members tries to strike up a conversation with him and he says and this guy says who is sipping the soup he says uh mate i've been asleep for exactly what two or three years and all i want to do right now is eat and the only reason i'm here is because of the money and i'm like are you fucking are you are you kidding me is is money that important to you that you lose two years of your fucking life you're on this voyage and you don't know what you're exactly here for that's a little bit ridiculous to me yeah, but unfortunately, some people are just like that. Some people have nothing else going for them, and they just they're just like, all right, I'll go on a spaceship and just see what happens. Like some people are just like that; they just don't have anything to hold on to. So I do understand that. And that guy, I can't remember his name, but he's the geologist. So right, we're just right. going to refer to him as the geologist because there's a lot of times that we're going to come back to him. Yeah, um, I do like his character. I, look, I like his character, but I don't like his character. But I'm glad it happened. What happened to him happened to him. But we'll get to it. Before you, um, I, I just, I just, before you uh, start again, I just want to say something. Um, the the character development for most of these background characters isn't done particularly well. We focus on a very narrow group of individuals, but everybody else it's kind of like cannon fodder for the audience. And I, it look, in an alien movie, that's fine. But I prefer, when, when, when I'm writing characters, I prefer to give everybody some, some emotional baggage. So when they start dying, uh, uh, we actually care. But then again, we're watching a fucking alien movie and some of these fucking people who are going to be dying are fucking dicks. So, yeah, that's true. But if you think back to the original, original alien movie, there was how many people was on the ship with Sigourney Weaver? Maybe like, I think there was like six or seven, but they, you all got to know, we got to know them. That's that's why the movie is so fucking long. Mm -hmm. People go, oh, the first alien movie, it's so long, but it's long because of the character development and you get to know them. And so when they start dying, you you give a shit. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, it, it didn't. Look, it wasn't bad because of it. I just, I didn't know any of the characters. So when they died, I like, I don't, I don't care. Like I just didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't connect. I didn't care. Um, so yeah, we're on the same page with that. But back, back to the briefing. I really love this line of dialogue when, um, you know, Doctor Elizabeth is showing the paintings, and she says we call them engineers. And I think the geologist dude, he says, well, what did they engineer? Because he's a smartass. And she turns around and she said they engineered us. And that's when you go, what? What am I watching? What is going on? That's kind of like, for me, that's the pinnacle. That's when everything kind of shifts. And now you go, wait a minute. What? You're searching for your makers? Because before that, you didn't know. You're like, what the fuck is going on? I love that. Just with that line of dialogue, it just shifts. Your mind shifts and you go, oh, this is the movie I thought it was going to be. I, I, I absolutely adored that line of dialogue. Yeah, that line of dialogue was absolutely absolutely mint because you're right until then as an audience member watching this film for the first time you're like 
Uh, what what exactly do these scientists want? Why are they in space? Why are they surrounded by a bunch of assholes who all they care about is money? And you don't really get a good sense of where we're going in the story until that exchange happens between the geologist and Elizabeth. But that that line is just fan-fucking-tastic. And after that line, if you're not in, then you're not in. But I, you know, I was completely in from before that line. But after that line, I was like, okay, Ridley Scott, the writer of this film, take me on an adventure to meet God, perhaps, or maybe not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the next scene is a big fat setup. This is when Dr. Elizabeth Shaw sees the med pod and she goes up to it and she's in awe about it. Hat she's like, oh, it's a med pod. Yeah, that, that's a hat on the ground. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And so that's that's set up for like the best scene <laughs> later on, which we'll get to. So anyway, um, Charlize Theron's character kind of comes in and her name is um, Vickers. And this is literally what I've written. I didn't write anything else. This is what I wrote. Charlize Theron flexing her dick. She's the boss. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. Because she's a bitch. Yeah. She's a bitch. She flexes her dick. She's like, I'm in charge. You're not going to do anything without my authorization. If you find anything, don't touch it. Don't do anything. I'm in charge. And it's kind of like, what? And and even now, you kind of, as an audience member, because her character's not fleshed out, you kind of like, who the who is who are you? Why do you have authority here? Like, do you have expertise in anything? What I, I just, I didn't, they didn't put character into her character. I didn't, I didn't get it. I'm like, what gives you the authority to be like doing this? No, uh, I, I completely agree with you. Like, um, as much as I enjoy this movie and I, and I really, really do for both the way that it's structured and personal reasons, Charlie Theron's character is a bitch in heap. They really didn't give her any kind of character development to justify the way that she acts throughout the course of the film. And they kind of gave her some character development by giving her these little corks. Like, there's a scene, which I'm sure we're going to get to, but she's the only one that can sort of handle an individual on the ship. And that begs the question, is she really who she is? But again, that's not really answered in the movie at all. You know, that's not really addressed. The other thing you mentioned, mm. you mentioned the, well, I, well, I can't say that because we haven't got there yet, but I you know, <laughs> see, see what's happening. I'm, I'm going all over the place. The The thing that I will say is that I really loved Charlize Theron. And if it wasn't Charlize Theron in this role, I don't know if this character would have played as well as it did. But I thought that she would have been better with just a little bit, just a tiny inkling of some character development. Well, I think that the movie didn't even need her character. Her character brought nothing to the story at all. If you took her character out of the movie, would it make a difference? Yes or no? Um, wait, guys, I'm thinking about it. Just give me a few minutes. (laughs) No, seriously, seriously, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, no, no. Think about it. Think about it. Would it have impacted the plot, storyline, premise if she was taken out? Did she do anything in the movie that you sit there and you go, oh, that's why her character's in the movie? 
No, she was just a bitch. Cause yeah, cause the, not needed at all. Because because <laughs> no, no no because technically <laughs> because technically she's a device to. She is basically a MacGuffin to trigger the larger secrets in this movie. And you could have used somebody else to trigger those secrets in the movie later on. So you really don't need her. What what they could have done is they could have taken her character completely out and made the captain, which was um, played by Idris, Idris Elba, I think. Yes. Which I re- I really liked his character. Awesome. I wish they fleshed him out. He's awesome. I wish they fleshed him out more, but they fucking didn't. They could have made her character his character, so he could have been the asshole. And what a character arc it would have been for him to start out a dick and end how he ended. How good would that have been? Yeah, that, I mean, you know, I mean that you know that would have been great if you guys have seen this movie before. The opening sort of bullshit that I said at the start of the podcast was a was a hint was sort of a tip of the cap to where that character ends up. Um, but yeah, th- that would have been, that would have been fantastic. That would have been really, really good. Damn Dean, we should really work in Hollywood. We, <laughs> we, should, should, have... <laughs> <laughs> we, sh- we should have written Prometheus. Anyway, let's move on from <laughs> pipe dreams and fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene is we land, uh, the, he lands the ship. Idris Elba, 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 sorry, lands the ship. They all they all suit up, and they make their way to the cave system. There's this huge dome that they make their way to, and you know, Idris says, "I don't know what his name is in the movie." Sorry, he says, "There's only six more hours of sunlight," and they're like, "No, let's go, let's go." It's like, "All right, let's go." So they jump in these little little car thingies, and they go to this dome. And when they get in there. The this I thought this was really cool. The geologist has this really cool um, gadget, and he calls them pups. And he just he flicks them on, and they rise up, and they map all the cave systems. And then when you go back to the ship, you can see the mapping. And I'm like, that is so cool, and such a quick way to sort of um, explore everything. I thought, did you like those? I love those those. I mean, they look, they were only in like one scene, like two scenes. Yeah. But I thought that it, whoever thought that out was really cool. Yeah, it was a, you know, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a really, really cool way to sort of show us how big the environment was. And, it, you know, it was a really cool way to map the environment. And it was a really cool way to keep the people on the ship involved with the action happening in the caves at the same time. There's one scene that really... There's one moment before they go into the caves that I want to address. Okay, you are on. You are on a fucking alien planet looking for God. Okay, vis-a-vis what what Elizabeth and how and um, uh, Holloway are doing. You don't know what the hell you're going to find there, and the the exhibition crew has personal security. So as everybody is suiting up and as everybody's getting ready to go into the cave systems, Shaw sees this, one of the, one of the security officers with a flamethrower. And she says, um, what are you doing with that? This is a scientific exposition. You don't really need that. And the guy goes, Oh, I'm just here to make sure everybody stays safe. And I'm like, okay, exactly. That is important. You need that because you have no idea where the fuck you are or what the fuck may happen. So the, the, the thing that drove me 
fucking insane in this goddamn movie is the ignorance that Shaw and Holloway showed throughout the course of this movie. It drove me up a fucking wall. I understand wanting to find wanting to find the people that made you and wanting to find answers, but their their sense of belief just drove me crazy. Their sense of belief override, you know, you know, overrode their common sense. And that just drove me in fucking sane. Like, I agree with you. Like, you're on an alien planet. Like, why wouldn't you, like, even if you're not going to use it, like, why not just take it just in case? Like, you're on an alien, like, there could be, you know, there could be weird animals. There could be weird, like, like it's just, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty naive of her to, to say that, but I guess again, character development shows that she's non-violent. She doesn't. She doesn't. She's not that way. She just wants everything to be kind of picture perfect. So I do understand that in the character development kind of way, it kind of shows that she's not that way. She doesn't want anything to do with violence. But it was still fucking stupid. No, and you know, and with that being said, uh, the 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 two writers of this film do a magnificent job of showing how naive she is at the beginning of the film, and then making her suffer countlessly throughout the course of the film so that made me happy in in you know in deliciously oh she suffers ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah she suffers so anyway they're in the caves they're mapping the caves out and david the android he kind of does he kind of goes up to a wall and touches it i don't know how he i don't know how he knows how to do this maybe it's an android thing maybe technology technology he just knows how to do it i don't fucking know how he knows he touches the wall he does like a certain sequence and then uh like a replay starts happening of of what um happened there in in the past like watching like an old videotape or whatever and he sees these two beings kind of running past him and then um they come to a uh they see a body and it doesn't have a head and the geologist, who looks so tough, turns into the biggest pussy. Um, and so I thought that that was quite that was quite funny. But um, they find the decapitated head, and then they realize that there's a door behind him. The door opens, and there is the head. And I felt I I really like this because you, when you first see the body, you don't realize the size of it but when they actually go up to the body you're like oh it's like a giant like it's fucking huge so i was i really 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 like that that kind of aspect so anyway the door opens they find this head or what they think is a head and um the, this room is great it looks eerily similar to the egg room in the original alien movie when they were exploring exploring the caves so that, so that was a nice kind of tip of the hat to to the old school alien movie i loved it now were they eggs i don't they no it did it did they look like eggs yes but the room was pretty much pretty much the same and then um everybody's running around they're like oh we got to get out because this huge fucking storm coming they're like oh we got to go we got to go and then david kind of you know takes an egg with him and we know what happens when people take shit that they shouldn't be fucking taking. So he takes an egg and um, it's – it's he – when he walks in, I don't know why, but he – I don't – you have to tell me this. 
the worms, right? So the worms were either on the bottom of his shoe and he brought them into the room or they were already in the room because that plays a part as to what happens further on in the movie. I don't know how the worms got there. They were in the room already. Okay, okay. So they were in the room already. Because I'm thinking, were they on his shoe? So anyway, so he basically, when he stepped on them, he moved them. (laughs) <laughs> and he moved them over to the the black tar and this is kind of what sets off everything so anyway he takes a he takes an egg and there's this whole you know scene that runs way too fucking long of them trying to get back to the ship and there's a huge storm to me it just felt like they just needed to put something dramatic in there like for people to go oh my god are they gonna make it who's gonna die i didn't feel like it it felt it brought nothing to the story at all um what are your thoughts on that scene but also the scene that i just talked about with the egg room and everything like that no i mean i um, I thought the scene, you know, leading up to where David, you know, opened up the door that, you know, had the, that, that, you know, that led to the chamber room with the big head and the alien eggs on the, on the, on the ground, you know, a ton of them. I thought that that was particularly done very, very well. The thing that I really love about Michael Fossbender as David is he has this sort of disdain for hu- humanity. He respects them, but he only respects them to a point. He thinks that he's better than us, which essentially he's he is. But there's something else happening with David that we're not aware of as audience members at this point in the film. So all of his behavior during this whole sequence is very, very odd. And it, 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 it all makes sense as, you know, you know, you know, uh, later on, later on in the film, but as, uh, you know, as far as this, 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 the, the storm thing is concerned, I didn't think that it was necessary. I, I would have written a little bit differently. I would have used that time to, Perhaps maybe give some of these characters some character development. So later when I would kill most of them, I would actually, you know, maybe the audience would feel something for them. But I understand why they did what they did. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's not bad. It doesn't take anything away. I just think that it was it was too long and it wasn't needed and they maybe could have brought them something else maybe they could have put in there. So anyway, they get back to the ship and they're like, oh, where is the geologist dude? And, the and other, they're like, well, the he left dude. fucking ages ago. And the other dude, which I, I don't even know these dude, dude one and dude two. Uh, you know, I we don't know where they are. And they're like, they left ages ago. And then we sort of cut to them and they're lost in the maze of the cave. Now, <laughs> I find this difficult to believe because they weren't that, first of all, they weren't that far in the cave to begin with. So how hard is it to find your way back out? It's not like they were walking for hours and there was twists and turns and all this shit. They weren't that far in. So how they could get lost is, I don't know. And they've got a GPS thing and he's got the pups, right? Which is the thing, which, which filters back to his device. Like they're his toys. So how is he, especially him, how is he and this other dude lost and how when everybody was running out of the cave how did they not 
past them? How did they not hear them? Like, I don't, I don't know. I like, I understand why they're there because it does push the story forward. I just don't understand how they got lost. The only thing I will say about that is you're right because, you know, first of all, his pups are mapping the environment. So why doesn't he have, why doesn't he have like a tablet showing the, showing the, showing his pups mapping the environment? If he has a tablet in his hand, they could have found a way out, but then, you know, but, but then we wouldn't have the amazingly stupid fucking scene that we're going to see in a little bit of how these two characters who have no character development go out. But it's just stupid because this guy shouldn't be lost. <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't be lost. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. should be. Well, we're going to get to that scene where the screenwriter completely dropped the fucking ball, but we're going to get to it. So the next scene after that, they're lost. They're trying to find them. We go to Dr. Elizabeth Shaw and um, a few of the other characters, which we don't really know who they are because there's no character development. And they're scanning the huge head. It looks like a like a snuffleupagus. You know, anybody watched Sesame Street like a like a like an elephant? And um, they realize that it's a helmet. And like, oh. And so they get David to come over and he lifts the helmet off. And when he lifts the helmet off, it's revealed that it is actually the dude, not the exact dude, but it's the species of the dude from the beginning, the humanoid. And you're like, oh, so he's come back. Okay. And it just, it, it doesn't look decayed or anything. It just looks like how he looks like in the beginning. His eyes are closed. Um, and then they do something which I've literally written down like bloody science, right? They go, let's try and bring the head back to life. <laughs> yeah, let's fucking do that. Like, and then they're trying to bring it back to life. And of course, of course it fucking goes wrong. Like, I, like, I just thought, like, I get it. This is not a nitpick, right? Because I get it. It has to, this is pushing it forward. I get it. But I just thought nobody would, like, why? <laughs> How? How could you do that? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But I li- I loved the scene because I don't know if they used a real like prosthetic head or if it was CG, maybe it was a combination of both, but I love the the effect, how they tried to bring it back to life and then and then it, the head kind of did this weird thing, like the existence like pod thing. <laughs> it started doing this weird shit. And then they're like, oh shit, um, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And they're like, quick, put it in like the like a glass box or whatever it is, and then they put it in the box and then it it ex- the head explodes. So it's like, like you didn't. The first thing you did is let's try and bring it back to life. And because of that, you've lost all your evidence. You've lost everything. Like you could have, you could have dissected it. You could have. Look, no, nah, you just let's just fucking do this, which is probably not something a scientist would do. Like especially like her. Like wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you be careful? The behavior of. Elizabeth and a lot of the scientific people in this movie don't make sense because they just do stupid shit to do stupid shit. Like there is a way to write this movie to where you could have the characters do exactly what they do, exactly what they do in this movie, but have it be justified. The entire purpose of the scene is to have Elizabeth find out that these engineers have DNA, that DNA that ties them back to humanity, ties them back to us. And I think that's the whole purpose 
of the entire scene. Yeah, no, it is. I just thought it was funny. They're like, let's bring the head back to life. And I'm like, oh, it's dumb. Okay. <laughs> let's just see how that fucking goes. So the next scene, we see David and he's talking to a yet unknown person. We don't know who he's talking to, but you know, he's sus, he's suspect. You're like, oh, who's he talking to? Like, and then you kind of, when he took the egg and he was kind of hiding it from everyone, you kind of got a gist, okay, maybe he's got his own agenda, but who exactly is he working for? Because he's an android, so he doesn't think for himself. He has to be programmed and told what to do. And so you see him talking to someone on this little like headset thing. You don't see who it is. You don't hear who it is. And you're kind of going, oh, okay, so this is the person giving him instructions. You don't know who it is. And then the stupidest scene happens. I'm sorry for people that love this scene. I mean, I, I don't know who would like this scene. David's walking innocently walking down the hallway. And then and then Charlie Theron's character comes at him like a bull in a china shop. What did he say? And I'm like, whoa, turn it down there, girl. And she's like, and David's like, oh, nothing. He didn't say anything. And she's just like, like full, like, look. Charlize Theron is a very great actress, but in this scene, it was very overdramatic. It was very full on. It was very forced. Um, I ended up kind of giggling because I'm like, what is going? I just, and I'm like, all right, calm. Just take a fucking chill pill. Calm down. Like she knows who he's talking to is what we got out of that scene, but it was very, very overdramatic. And she seemed a tad stressed i don't know if it makes sense later on nothing about her character makes sense but um what say you about that lovely hallway scene no i think well well, well first of all uh having having david talking to a mysterious individual um you know that that whole thing is again guys dropping a hat on the ground hello um and you know that real that scene really confirmed to me the first time that I saw this film. That scene confirmed to me that okay, there's something else going on here, and David is vis-a-vis on his own mission, and that's why he is so secretive, and that's why he brought back one of the alien eggs and really didn't tell anybody. And the whole thing with Vickers is bitchy, it's dumb and stupid, but it really serves as that scene really makes you wonder what is the deal with Vickers and is she really human or not? Because David is a fucking android. And the way that she handles David, nobody can handle an android like that. So the only the only explanation as to as to the only explanation as to how she would be able to handle David like that if she were an android too. And that Yeah, I never got that vibe. And I never got the vibe that she was an android. And that begs the question, if she's an android, then is she, then is she related to the individual that David is working for, but we'll get there eventually. The reason why I never thought she was an android is because androids don't necessarily have emotions, and if they do, they keep them in check like David does. So right. it doesn't make sense that she's an android. So the next scene is it's kind of like an intercut scene between 
David's got a scene, Dr. Elizabeth Shaw has a scene, and they're intercut together. David opens the egg and he takes out like this small, long, see-through pod thingies and it's got like a black substance kind of floating inside and then it kind of cuts to Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. She's testing the DNA of the exploded head and finds it matches perfectly to human DNA. I have a problem with that. Um, I, how can, how can, how can the DNA of this giant humanoid creature match human DNA perfectly? How can, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I, I, I don't know how it matches perfectly. Okay. I can explain that. Well, I, well, I can't explain that, but I can try to, I can try to justify it. Perhaps these individuals are descendants of us. And perhaps these individuals were created by our actual God. So that would explain how their DNA can match our DNA so succinctly. But then again, that's a giant leap. And that is sort of me sort of doing writer's surgery. So that's how I justify it. So if you, for example, take... Uh, I don't know. Take dinosaurs, right? So recently in that um, kind of uh, in that area, they found out that most dinosaurs descended from birds and they had wings and they had feathers and they kind of, as they evolved, they became scaly and reptilian and, and, and all that, right? So they, they oh, this is over thousands and thousands of years, hundreds, millions of years, right? This is this is the point I'm trying to make. Would it be that bird dinosaur and that reptilian dinosaur that are millions of years apart, would they have the exact same DNA or would it have changed with the evolution of the creature is kind of what I'm getting at. I think the DNA would be similar. I don't think it would be the same. It'll be it'll be broken up. Yeah, I mean, listen, I listen. If anybody out there that's a fucking scientist is going, Dean, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I might be. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a scientist, but I just think that the DNA would be close, but not the same. Like, like monkey, like gorilla DNA, right? Because the whole thing is that we descended from gorillas. But is our DNA a perfect match for gorillas? I don't think it is. No, I think it's slightly different. No, and the other thing that we're not considering too is that these engineers fuck around with their dna when elizabeth got the results of the um of the alien beings dna it should have shown traces of the alien being in the dna too so yeah yeah i look i understand why they did that Mm -hmm. to to show hey they made us there we are from them i do understand that it's not a nitpick it's just it, it wouldn't be that way. So if you're if you're writing a movie based on science, you kind of gotta go with science. So you could have made it similar and had her explain, but I guess it's easier just to show it's the same DNA. But I feel like from my perspective, it would not be the same. Anyway, moving on. The next scene is a really um I quite like this scene, a conversation between uh, Dr. Holloway and David. And this is where I started to turn on Holloway and think, oh, my God, you are a dropkick. You are actually a dick, right? So Holloway is, like, 
crying. He's not crying, but he's being a baby. And, you know, David's kind of like, what's what's wrong? He's and moping. he goes, he's moping, he's moping. And Holloway is annoyed um, because he goes, oh, I came here to find, you know, God or my maker, my maker, and I didn't find anything and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you literally explored caves for five minutes. For five minutes. You didn't even go everywhere. You went into one room. And now you're like, oh, we came all this way. We didn't find anything. And I'm like, what? Yeah, it made no sense. Like he hadn't even, they hadn't even begun to explore the caving system or that planet for like, oh my God. I was just like, oh my fucking God. They've made this guy into a fucking baby. But what I like about this scene is androids are not meant to feel emotions. But in this scene, you can feel that Everything that Holloway is saying saying to David, he's being a dick to David, and David's getting annoyed. But see, Michael Fassbender, uh, Fassbender is such a good actor that he's he, he's he's annoyed without being annoyed, but he looks annoyed. Do you know what I mean? Like he's such a good actor that he can pull it off with just very 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 subtle looks. And I love that about his. I love that about his acting. And also, also because all throughout the scene. Um, Holloway is playing with uh, the the balls on the table, and there's a there's a point right before uh, David drops the alien DNA into the cup, and before he hands it to Holloway, right before he does that, uh, David gets pissed off, and he's like sort of snatches the the ball out of Holloway's hand. Ah, uh, look, 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 look. I I never liked Holloway as a character. I have softened on him as a character as I've seen this movie throughout the years. But I generally think that Holloway is a fucking asshole. And look, I I know that he's been through a lot, but sometimes the answers that you want, no matter how hard, no matter how much you wish for them, no matter how difficult they can be for you to get, sometimes you aren't meant to get the answers that you want. And sometimes when you do get them, sometimes you'll be disappointed. So I, so, so by that rationale, I understand where Holloway is coming from, but I, then again, I don't like it. Also, David's decision to give Holloway the, the alien DNA is sort of set up throughout the film because in various segments throughout the film, Holloway is very disrespectful to David. And he is very, very dismissive of David. And he sort of views him as a a big fancy toaster, so to speak. So David's decision to ultimately use Holloway as a big fucking Petri dish uh, uh, plays well to me because it's set up uh, in little moments throughout the film. Some of the dialogue in this movie is just on point. It's a showcase of something that makes you think because David says to Holloway, why did you, why did your people make me? And Holloway, just because we could, being a fucking smart ass. And you can see David not liking that answer. You can see he's getting fucking annoyed. And then David says, can you imagine how disappointing it would be for you to hear the same thing from your creator? And I just thought, oh, that gave me chills. I, I that was, And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. And that, that really should have woken Holloway up, but it didn't because he's an idiot. 
<laughs> he did nothing. And then he gives him, he gives, he pours him a drink and then he puts his finger in it. And first of all, if somebody put their finger in my drink before they gave it to me, I'd be like, you drink it. Put your dirty <laughs> finger in there. But we know why. We know why he puts his finger in it because he puts, he puts the black substance in it. Because he, he's basically like, fuck you, Holloway, you're a dick. Um, but I do, I do love that scene. After that scene, we go back to the geologist and the other dude that are lost in the caves. Um, and then the captain, Idris Elba, keeps saying there's a there's a life form in there. I, I, I wouldn't have done that if I was Idris Elba, you know, and I saw that there was a life form. Like, you could see the life form was, like, nowhere near them. It wasn't moving. I don't know why I would have – I wouldn't have said something. I would have just left it until it became a problem. Yeah. I mean, as far as um, Idris Elba mentioning to the geologist and the other fucking stupid guy that there's something in the caves, I wouldn't have told them that either. I would have tried the cave – I would have tried to – Keep them as calm as possible. The other thing that really drove me nuts is that when these, as these characters are walking around the caves, they end up in the same room that our main group was in with all the alien eggs in it. And the guy with the glasses, the fucking moron, sits on one of the fucking alien egg, on, on one of the fucking alien egg canisters. And I'm like, Dude, are you fucking kidding me? You are sitting on a fucking alien egg species that you don't know where the fuck it came from and you're fucking sitting on it? You deserve to fucking die because you are such a moron. Yeah, they, yeah. But they, they do even stupider shit in the next scene. Well, in the scene coming up. So there is a scene between Holloway and Shaw and they're together. If we didn't already say that, they're 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 in a romantic relationship. Um, for me, there's no chemistry between the actors at all. No, um, no. I there's no chemistry. But this scene serves two purposes. And finally, finally, we have come across a movie where there's a sex scene with a point. See, there's a fucking point, um, which we'll come to later. And um, she mentions she can't get pregnant, so there's another point. Uh, so, you know, you might be watching that scene and going, oh, this is pointless, but no, there's actually a fucking point to it and it will come back later. It's a set, it's a setup. Now the the next scene is hat on the ground. There's a next scene. There's a short scene with Charlize Theron and the captain where they're talking about bullshit. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it's a nothing scene. And then he goes, if you wanted to get laid, you could just ask. And I'm like, what? And then she goes to walk out. She's like, be in my room in five minutes. This scene serves no purpose. I mean, is there a purpose? Because I just thought, what the fuck? This is a waste of time. Uh, the only, the only, uh, the only purpose to this scene is to tell us how, that that Idris Elba is just one suave son of a bitch, and he could even land a fucking amazing goddess specimen uh, like um, Charlie Theron, even when she's playing a, a, a dick character. But if I turn off my hormones for a second, this scene is completely useless. You don't need it. Yeah, I don't know why they left it in. It could have made the movie shorter. Anyway, now we get to the two lost crew members in the cave with the dude that sits on the fucking egg or whatever the fuck it is, canister, vase, whatever it is. And like you said, they're in the black room. There's the black. Now we see the black substance spilling out of the top of all the, the canisters or whatever they are. Now we didn't see that before. Before it wasn't like that. So something has happened. Um to make them spill over and you go, okay, this black tar stuff is not good. 
it's not good, it's bad, something's happened. And then there's these like, it's like little little mini, mini puddles of like black tar and then this, this I don't know what it is, this eel thing that kind of looks like a ball sack to be quite honest, comes out of the water and the guy, one of the crew members, is like, oh, what's that? And like approaches it. Like, listen, listen, listen. This movie is good, but like I said, they dropped the ball on this. This whole scene is so retarded, and I'm sorry if that fucking offends anybody, but I don't give a fuck. It's a fucking retarded scene, and it's stupid. Nobody would do that. They're psych- Nobody would do that. Like, it's just, I know I know why the writers did that. It's writer's convenience. They had to do it, no, well, but it just doesn't make fucking sense. Okay. I Look, look, I understand as a writer trying to achieve a goal and trying to get two stupid characters off the board. But you could have had those stupid characters running for their lives. As a writer, you could have had those two fucking morons running from the thing instead of walking up to it and wanting to study it. But that does make the scene more gratifying when the face hugger breaks the fucking guy's arm off and goes into his suit and then goes down his his esophagus Meanwhile, the geologist gets his face imploded by um, another face hugger. That's cool. Um, but you said that um, before before all this happens, you mentioned that the, the 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 little jars are oozing with black oil, and I I tend to believe that um, in the earlier scene when David took one of those jars. He had to unfreeze it. So by him unfreezing it, sort of broke all the rest of the jars in the room. And that's what caused the black oil to start spilling all over the place. When David uh, unfroze that initial canister that he took with him and he brought onto the Prometheus. Yes, well, that that does that that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, yeah, so the crew members they get fucked up. Um, yeah, look, the fa- it it's like a little mini face hugger because then it, it 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 it's kind of like a ball and then it like go it opens up. It's got these wings, so it kind of is like a precursor to the face hugger. I mean, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I liked. I just find it funny that the geologist guy is the guy that saw the decapitated body and goes, "Fuck this, I'm out of here!" Right? A dead body, a dead body that causes no threat to you whatsoever. But then he sees like this eel thing come up, and he doesn't run. Like, how does that make? I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. I understand why they did it, but it doesn't fucking make sense. Anyway, the next scene is they're going to search for the missing crew members in the cave. Um, Holloway is getting a, getting sick. Oh, thank God. His eyes are getting – yeah, thank God. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, David peels off from the group because, and we still don't know what the fuck he's doing or what his kind of aim is. They, they find one of the crew members very dead. Very, very dead. I don't know which one it is. Oh, it's the um, geologist. It's the guy. It's not. No, no, no. It's not the geologist. Oh, it's the ge- geologist. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he comes back later. Or maybe he just cut his body comes back later. I don't know. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, oh. Pro- it's probably Oh, him. yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot that. That's a point for you. Yeah, there's like that. a. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, David kind of, he, he finds a room and he 
there's all these kind of buttons and he presses a button and a big chair turns around. And to me, it looks like a ride in Disneyland, like a, like, like the, like the haunted mansion ride where a, a, you, you sit in it and it kind of takes you on a track. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> Sorry, Ridley, but, uh, that's what it did anyway. So he sits in the chair and he starts to see again, a replay of, of what happened. And then there, there are these, the giant beings running around. And then he gets this map of the universe, which is actually really, really quite cool. And he's stand, it's like a galactic map and it maps everything. And he's kind of standing in the middle of this holographic map going, oh my God, this is so cool. And then the map goes away and it shows earth. So you, you, you can see just by that scene, this is where they were going. This is where, this is where the trajectory was for these aliens, but you still don't know why he kind of, why they want to get to earth. So, uh, then David spots a preserved engineer, perfectly preserved. He puts his ear up to the pod. He's kind of, this engineer's like cryogenically frozen. He can hear in a heartbeat. Um, and you know, you kind of know that's kind of not going to end well. I do have issues with that scene coming up, but we'll address them. So the next scene is they're trying to get back to the ship. Holloway is sick as fuck. He can't walk. Nobody knows what's going on. And they're like, open the bay doors, open the bay doors. Cause Vickers and the captain, um, I think the captain, oh no, 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 he, no, sorry. He's with the team. The Vickers is on the ship and they're like, open the back door. So she goes, all right, I'll open the back door. So she opens it. She's got a flamethrower and I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. So I'm in two minds about this. You tell me what you think. So She's, and this is a homage a hundred percent to the original alien movie because they're pretty much the exact same scene happened. And I really, really liked that they kind of replicated it. So she said, everybody can get on board, but Holloway because he's sick and he could contaminate everyone. Now I'm in two minds about that. I agree with her, but I disagree with her. I agree that she doesn't know what the fuck it is. It could, t- could contaminate. So maybe I would be on par but I disagree because, you know, like obviously Shaw loves him, you know, it's, it, you know, what I mean? you've got that emotional aspect with the, with the whole, but everybody could die aspect. I think that Vickers at that moment is of two minds. First of all, she's scared to death. And second of all, her main concern is the safety of the entire ship. So if she sees a perceived threat to the entire ship, she's going to do what she has to do. And plus, by the time that Holloway and the rest of the crew get to the ship, there's no fucking way in God's green earth that they can bring Holloway back. If they brought Holloway onto that fucking ship, there's no doubt that he would have killed everybody on that ship. But with that being said, the actor who plays Holloway does reach a moment where he says, okay, I'm not, I'm dead. So I'm basically, I'm basically going to sacrifice myself to save everybody else. And as much as I don't like Holloway as a character, I do like that moment when he looks at Elizabeth and he says, I love you, baby. And he puts his hands up and he says, do it. And that's when Vickers, you know, roasts him to death. And I think uh, Numi replaced his performance and Numi replaced plays, uh, plays Elizabeth in the film. Her performance in that moment and her performance for the rest of the film after that moment is heartbreaking and is so well done. And you could just see the grief pour out of her. She did a fantastic job in that scene and in the second half of the film in my estimation. 
Yeah, she did, especially in the next scene coming up. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, Holloway gets um, flamethrowed, <laughs> barbecued by Charlize Theron, uh, basically sacrificing himself because he doesn't want to kind of contaminate. He doesn't know what's going on, but he knows that he's sick and he doesn't want to make anyone else sick. So, anyway, the next scene is we find uh, Elizabeth Shaw. Uh, she's in medical and they tell her she's pregnant uh She's three months pregnant now. In the scene before, she said she couldn't get pregnant. So you're kind of like, what? Um, and she said, well, I had sex 10 hours ago. And they're like, yeah, but you're three months pregnant. Like, you know, and she's like, well, no. And then uh, you you realize that the sex scene, uh, that was after Holloway got contaminated. So then you go, oh, no. So he was sick when he had sex with her and now – Something's going on with her. She's pregnant. It's growing at an exponential exponential rate. She knows this, and she starts to freak out. Acting by Numi is just like I felt. I felt everything <laughs> that she was. I remember in the cinema thinking, "Oh my fucking god!" Like I'm feeling this chick. I am feeling her. So she realizes something's wrong, and she goes to the med pod, which was set up in the beginning where she's like, oh, look at the med pod. And now she's like, fuck, where's the med pod? So she finds it. And I found, I actually laughed when I saw this. She goes, um, she goes up to the med pod and, and she, I can't remember what she says. She says, um, she needs uh, a cesarean. That's right. And then the med pod says, calibrated for male patients only. And then you're like, oh my God, what? And so like, that's just so fucking like, why would that be a fucking thing? That That's not a thing. Um, so anyway, she she's smart and she calibrates it for abdominal surgery and then she takes off her robe and she gets in there and it's like this – oh, the scene's so good. It's like this, she's in the pod thing and then this laser comes down and it's like gives her like anesthetic but she apparently still feels the pain because she screams even though it says administering anesthetic. So she shouldn't have felt anything. I actually – I actually like her actually – you know, feeling pain even when she's getting anesthetic because something is something is about to come out of her. So that's why she's feeling fucking pain even when the anesthetic is being poured on her stomach. And the other thing that Ridley Scott does very, very well in this scene is that he keeps ratcheting it up, ratcheting it up, ratcheting it up until the moment where, you know, until the moment that he's going to talk about here in a couple of seconds. But Ridley Scott does a great job of, of giving the scene a sense of like, holy shit, is she going to die in this moment? So I really like that. Also, Numi Rapace's performance in the scene, specifically when the laser starts to open up her stomach, is fucking fantastic. If I could give an actress an Oscar for a single scene in a movie, I would give it to her for this scene in this movie because it's fantastic. I don't know how the fuck she didn't pass out. Yeah, I I love this. And they open they open they op- the the laser thing opens her up and like pulls out this squid looking like creature from her stomach and you're just like, "Oh my god, that's gross," right? And she looks at it and goes, "Oh my fucking god." And then it's 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 like staples her stomach up and the 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 bit that I loved was her running around the ship 
right? She's just had fucking her stomach cut open. She's all sweaty. She's got blood all over her. Like, that's the bit that gave me anxiety. Actually, actually, you know the bit that gave me anxiety? After, after, the, after the sort of claw thing pulls out the alien, she has to pull out the rest of the cord. So, so as... Oh, yeah, that was so, so cool. But anyway, yeah, so she's running around the ship. She's just, she, I mean, the way that they made her look, the way that they put, they, they put her in like a, like a, I don't know. It, it was, I mean, it was like, it's just underwear basically, but it's like space underwear, I guess it is. It's underwear um, And she was just, yeah. And, you know, oh my God, and she was sweating and you could just, she was bouncing off the walls. Like she didn't, like she was about to pass out. And I was like, girl, that, like, for an actor, that would have been, that would have taken a lot out of her to do scene after take, sorry, take after take after take, just doing the scene in the med pod, which who knows how many takes they did of that. They would have, she would have been exhausted shooting all those scenes, but I felt it. Like, she really, she, she really is the best character and she, she really did pull everything she had as an actress out. So, um, then it kind of skips to the next scene which is the the back dock opens and the geologist dude is there and he's all fucked up. Like he looks like he's got like fucking leprosy or some shit. And so he starts beating up crew members who I've never seen before. (laughs) I remember this crew member went up to him. He's like, hey, and I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? So obviously they're just like, we don't know who, I don't know who they are. Then they, they were never introduced. They were just there for the geologist to beat up and he's got superhuman strength. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why are these people turning into these like animals, I guess, because it's like their soul is gone and they just, it's just, they're just animals. I, I don't know. I felt like that scene was pointless. I didn't think we needed it. No, I know. Actually, I know. Actually, we didn't. But I, I, you know, I feel the only reason the, the the scene is there is to show what would have, what Holloway would have done if he would have gone gotten onto the ship. But ultimately, I think the reason why Holloway and the geologist turned into a zombie is because their DNA wasn't compatible to serve as a successful incubation for the alien in the first place. But then, but you know, you, yeah, that makes sense. But then you could say, okay, if that happened to the geologist in Holloway, why didn't that happen to Elizabeth? And I will say maybe the aliens DNA was specifically designed to need a female host. And maybe the engineers have both sexes. So maybe they have female sex and um, uh, male sex. So maybe that's why Elizabeth and the engineers can be a successful incubation uh, uh, a vessel for the aliens and Holloway and the geologists can't. I feel like what you're saying is right, but in... A few alien movies, um, you know, especially in the first one, the the guy had an alien in him. It was incubated in him, and he wasn't a female. Remember, it burst oh, out of yeah. his chest. Oh, yeah, so right. you don't right. you don't need to be a female. I don't basically. I don't know why that happened. With with, I don't know why she wasn't affected. Maybe it's because she wasn't directly affected. Like it was kind of third party. Like he was affected and he gave it to her, and 
maybe he had it more severe than what she would have. And I, I, I don't know. But, I mean, what you're saying sounds right, but it's not <laughs> just because of the previous, the previous Alien movies. Elizabeth Shaw wandering around the ship and then she walks into a room and she sees Wayland sitting there. And she's like, what? Because he had apparently died fucking ages ago, but he's been on the ship the entire time being cryogenically frozen. We find out this is who David has been talking to this entire time. We find out he's had kind of ulterior motives this entire time. I I just want to say, uh, Will and having ulterior motives, you say it ain't so, duh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm so sorry. Go ahead. So... We find out his motivation all, in all of this is he thinks he wants to make his meet his makers because he thinks they can save him from death. Um, it's a good motivation. I understand it. I understand he's rich, he has everything, but the only thing he cannot buy is basically more time and that's basically what he wants. And then in that scene we find out that uh, Vickers, Charlize Theron character, is actually – Wayland's daughter which who cares I don't care like what does that have to do with anything like I just thought they just threw that in there like who cares it was it wasn't set up it came out of nowhere um maybe it makes sense to how she was being but I just I don't care um you know look the other issue I have is Guy Pearce playing that character you know, I read that it took like five hours for to get him into that makeup. Like, why didn't you just hire someone that was old? There's heaps of old actors that are fucking awesome in Hollywood. Why, don't, why hire a young actor to play an old actor when you can just hire an older, more experienced actor? I don't, I don't know. That always felt a bit fucking weird to me. Uh, okay, with the whole Vickers thing, I really like the sort of antagonistic relationship that Vickers has with David. Because Vickers, in a way, is jealous of David because Whalen gives David the affection that Vickers never got. But again, that's me grasping at straws. The hell is that? That's me grasping at straws. And like you, I think that the, I think that the whole dynamic between Vickers, Whalen and David could have been built up to be this whole big thing. But unfortunately, the writers of this movie, who are geniuses in their own right, didn't really take the time to do that. So that's why I feel that Vickers doesn't play at all for uh, the, uh, you know, that's why I feel Vickers doesn't play at all as a character for either the two of us and the whole revelation that Vickers is actually Whalen's daughter doesn't work at all. Yeah. It didn't work for me. I'm glad it didn't work for you. Maybe it works for some people, but I just, I felt like it came out of nowhere. But anyway, the next scene is, um, Elizabeth Shaw in her quarters and she's putting on a spacesuit. And you, I mean, look, she's all sweaty. Like, I don't know. I would have had a shower first. It takes literally two minutes to have a shower. I could not get into a spacesuit if I was all sweaty, gross. Like, oh my God, it's just, it just looked disgusting. Like she put it on and she was all sweaty. And I'm like, oh God, that looks gross. So the captain comes in and this, this is a bit of a weird scene for me. You'll have to explain this to me. He comes in and he says, 
This isn't the engineer's planet. It's a military base to test weapons. Yeah, well. And the weapon turned. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The weapon turned on them. It killed them. And that's what the black kind of ooze is, right? My question is. How the fuck does he know that? No, well... Where the fuck did he get that information from? Okay, well, first of all, it makes no sense for him to know that. And second of all, what he said is half right. It is a weapon installation. But here's the thing. Well, I can't say this. Fuck. Tell me. Okay. Tell me. <laughs> okay, okay. So, 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 so in the script, there are two factions of engineers there's a good faction and there's an evil faction and the uh-huh. evil faction won the 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 war on the planet and the evil faction is the faction that were developing the aliens in the first place and the evil faction yeah. is a faction that wanted to go to other planets and destroy other planets okay yeah. so uh, Idris Elba's character was only right in the aspect of saying that this installation was a was a military installation. But I don't know how he would know that information. The only way that I knew that information is that I read a specific document that I said I wasn't going to read. But then, you know, <laughs> I'll, but then for 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 my sanity and for everybody else's sanity on this podcast, I will leave it there. Yeah, I yeah, I think like my question is not the validity of what he's saying. It's like it comes out of no, nowhere. Yeah, like how not. does he know that? We never got any pre-seen nothing. Like it was just like he it's 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 an exposition dump no. and it's lazily done at that. No, and the other thing is that later in a couple minutes he will figure out that that the cave that they're going into to meet the surviving engineer isn't a cave at all. So that doesn't make sense either. If you, if you wanted to do that scene, it would have worked, but have Idris Elba figure out that that cave isn't a cave at all. That's that it's actually a ship. Have Idris Elba figure that out. And then that scene can serve as a, as a, as a pillar to explain the scene where he goes up to Elizabeth and says, this planet was a army installation. That's the only way that I could figure out how to do it. Yeah, but they didn't do that. So anyway, we go back to the caves and uh, we find out, like you said, it's actually a ship and they decide it would be a wonderful idea to wake up one of the giant engineers, which for the record, it's not, <laughs> and I wouldn't, but um they do and uh yeah they find out they were about they were about to leave to go to earth to we suspect to destroy it but we don't we don't kind of know that yet so they wake the engineer up and david tries talking to him now this is really weird to me i don't i don't understand this david tries talking to him and for some reason um the engineer gets very pissy and rips David's head off, and then, and then, kind of like people, they start talking to him, and he's just like, nah, like he's a robot, and or and he's programmed to do something. He doesn't care what anybody else is saying. He doesn't want to communicate. He's not like, oh, who are you? Like, 
nothing. Oh, why don't you look like me? Like, nothing like that. And then he starts up the ship, gets in the chair, and yeah, I just, I don't get that. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why would he rip his head off? Why is he so angry? Why is, why does he so badly want to get in the ship and go, go to earth? Like, why? I, it, it made no sense why he didn't want to at least try and communicate. Because he doesn't care for human life. You're right. That bit doesn't make any sense. And I think that the writers needed a lot more development on the engineers themselves to explain their behavior later on in the film. But unfortunately, a lot of things about this movie work well, but a lot of things in this movie from a writer's perspective doesn't really mesh the way it should. I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, look, like I told you yesterday, I would have loved a movie just based on the engineers because they're they're the most interesting part to me. I don't care about the humans. I don't care. No, fuck the humans. Like, I care about this about this species that you know apparently created human life. Like, I want to know about them, but that's not what we got. We got what we got. So anyway, Shaw uh, Elizabeth Shaw tells the captain that he can't let the ship. So the ship's starting to take off. The ship we know now is headed to Earth to destroy it. We don't know why they want to destroy Earth, but they want to destroy it. Shaw tells the captain. Shaw is not on the ship. She's on the ground. The ship starts kind of elevating. There's this whole scene where she's like running, running, running. And so she she radios back to uh, the captain. You cannot let the ship leave. It's going to destroy Earth. So the captain basically kamikazes the ship into the alien ship, crashes it, um, and then something my friend brought up, which I thought was hilarious, was uh, when I said to him I was doing Prometheus, he goes, oh, Prometheus, the movie where they run in a straight line <laughs> and they they could they could have just run to the side. And I was like, what's he talking about? And then I realized it was this scene where the ship comes down and they're running in a straight line when they literally could have just run to the side and – not have to exert so much energy. <laughs> do you agree? I um I do agree with you uh, that uh, I don't understand why these people are running in straight lines when they could be running in all sorts of directions um, to avoid getting smashed by the by the giant uh, uh, by the giant remains of the uh, uh, of um, of the alien ship. But I just want to mention Salva has a very small role in this film. But it's very, very cool. And I love what he says before the sh- before uh, the Prometheus barrels into the alien uh, seahorse ship. And he says, hands up. And you, you know, and you see him put his hands up and the rest of his uh, the, uh, the, the two individuals that he has helping him put their hands up. I just think it's a great hero movement. Uh, uh in the in the third act of this film yeah it is it's a really really nice moment um when 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 he does that um i would have cared more if his character was more developed but here we are so anyway charlie seron's character gets squished by the ship nobody cares (laughs) she didn't she didn't bring anything so something I forgot to mention at the beginning, when they're doing a tour of the ship, uh, Charlize Theron has her own like living quarters oh that is detached. Yeah, that is detached from the ship. So you can live on that solitary and years. it has nothing to do. Yeah, for two years. And it has nothing to do with the ship. So um, Elizabeth Shaw 
finds the external life pod. And it's like, oh, okay. So she goes on it um, and you think, oh, my God, end of movie. Eh, No, because this woman cannot get a fucking break. So she goes in there and she sees that um, the the creature that came out of her stomach is in – it's still locked in the room that she left it in. And uh, it's bigger. It's much bigger. And she's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) So now she has to face this squid thing uh, and you're thinking, oh, okay, cool. So what, okay, do you, what did you think of the squid thingy, of the design of it? Like you didn't see a lot of it, but did you think it was possible? Um, I, look, 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 at this point in the movie, uh, when I saw it the first time, I just wanted Elizabeth to survive and get off the fucking planet. Um, but I thought I, I thought the squid thingy was cool, but I thought that it was a little bit too much CGI. But with you know what they wanted to do in that specific scene, I don't know how it could have been done practically, because it, the thing grew so much that there was there's no way that you could have physically made a puppet that big and made it and 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 make it look as cool as they did. So I thought it was cool, but. On, yeah. I thought it was cool, but on the other hand, I thought that the very, you know, uh, um, the the last maybe twenty to ten to twenty minutes of this movie was unnecessary. Yeah, because you know she sees this squid thingy trying to get out of the room, and she's like, "Oh shit!" And you're like, "Oh shit!" And then David comes over her radio who is still a severed head, but he's an android, so it does actually make sense. And he says, he's coming for you. And you're like, oh, my God, this bitch can't catch a break. Who the fuck is coming for her now? There's nobody left. And then she turns around and the engineer busts through the door. And you're like, oh, my God, he survived the crash? Oh, God. And so you're like, how the fuck is she going to fight this, like, giant dude off? And then the doors open and the alien squid goes for the engineer and they kind of duke it out. And it's like, oh, okay. And then David kind of uh, butts in again on the radio. He's asking for help and the alien thing kills the engineer thing. Um, I can't remember. Oh, no, the alien thing doesn't die. Sorry, that's the last story. See, I'm I'm all over the place now. No, but here's 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 another interesting point. Not once in this movie is it revealed to Elizabeth that David is the one that killed the man that she loves. Like, oh, that's a what good. What the hell? That's a good point. <laughs> like, that is a good point. Yeah, that was never revealed. Um. So anyway, David butts in asking for help, and like she doesn't really like, like she doesn't not like him, but she's kind of just like suspicious of him. And then he says he's the only one that can fly the alien ship to Earth. And then you know Shaw says. You know, she doesn't want to go to Earth. She wants to go to the engineer's planet. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That is, a, you know, you know, yeah, that was cool. Um, and I, what I want to know from you is would you have gone back to Earth or would you have wanted to go to the engineer's home planet? If I was somebody like Elizabeth who wanted answers about her lineage in the way that she did, I would have, I would have gone to the um, aliens planet. But I would have gone to the aliens planet. But I would have been more cautious. And I think that Elizabeth's experiences on this planet 
will make her more cautious in in the journey that she takes moving forward. Because I think Elizabeth at the beginning of this movie would have gone would have gone home instead of going instead of going further into the galaxy looking for the engineer's home planet. Um yeah, like I agree with you. I I think that that's really a a character arc for her and you know she wants to, you know, I love this line of dialogue as well. She said, they created us, tried to kill us, then changed their minds. I want to know why. No, but the, here's it. And it's like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to know why too. Yeah, here's the thing. Sometimes, look, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use me for an example here. I don't know if I'm going to leave this in or, or, or take it out. But I have wondered that my because as most of as most of you know on the podcast I'm disabled right and sometimes I sit around and I wonder myself why did why did I end up like this what was the purpose of me ending up the way I did and sometimes I wonder I want to ask the son of a bitch who made me why he made me in this specific way and then I wonder to myself like Am I going to feel any better about my situation if I do meet the son of a bitch who created me? And what if his response only makes me feel worse? Like, like knowing all the answers isn't necessarily going to give Elizabeth the closure, the, the closure that she's looking for. So in my mind, her search has meaning, but doesn't. In you know you know in the other hand yeah I agree sometimes knowing all the answers right. uh, you're better off not knowing the answers because the answer you seek may not be what you want to hear right 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 you said it more eloquently than I could so yeah that's what I <laughs> so I I definitely understand that but I think I think curiosity would override that would get me though yeah I think you know what. Like, I don't care what answer I get. I just want an answer. Whether I like it or not, it will still be an answer. Okay. Okay. So anyway, after that, they leave the planet. You see the ship take off. And then we go to the engineer that's been killed by this squid thingy. And it comes out of his stomach or chest. Yeah. And you see that it is an alien but not an alien it's kind of like the precursor to to the alien um so you can obviously if you know what a xenomorph looks like you would obviously be like oh this is xenomorph um it's interesting and that's the last shot of the movie that's the end of the movie it's interesting because really scott said he wanted to put an alien in there but he wanted to do like a like a precursor to to the alien right kind of like the engineers are the precursor to human humanity but I find it funny because the movie is only set like 30 years before Scorny Weaver's character comes into it. You can't evolve that much in 30 years. So it would have been better off to actually put like just like a normal looking xenomorph in in that shot. But I'm I'm not really Scott. Anyway, that's the end of the movie. No, I you know, I think it would have been better not to show the alien at all. But you know, ooh, okay. You know, you know that's just me. But by the way, before we before we close out, I do want to mention because I'm not going to forget this time. Do you have any trivia for this great film? <laughs> oh my god, I have trivia. All right, let's <laughs> yes. do it. Okay, there is a lot of trivia on this movie. Most of it is boring as shit, but I chose the most interesting ones. So, Charlize Theron 
was originally cast as Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. Oh my God, I were alone. But had to, de- yeah, right? But had to decline due to scheduling conflicts. But then later on, her schedule actually cleared up, but they had already cast Numi Rapace. Uh, so she took the role of Vickers. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine Charlie Theron? Be- I reckon she would have done a good job. She's great. Oh, she, She's fantastic. Oh, she would have done a great job as uh, as um, as Elizabeth. But with that being said, I thought Numi, Numi really did a solid job as Elizabeth, but Charlize would have done a better job, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so originally Ridley Scott wanted an engineer to be sent to earth to stop humanity's aggression towards one another, but was, uh, but then got crucified implying he was actually Jesus Christ. Huh? That would have been cool. Yeah. He wanted to have this whole religious aspect to it saying that an engineer went to earth did all the things Jesus did and was crucified, basically saying Jesus was actually like an alien. That's what he originally wanted. Okay, but but is it just me? Because this movie does have religious tones already all over anyway without that. So I don't like, like, do you, I mean, I mean, uh, would, would you have liked that or or do you think that this movie has enough? I, yeah, I think that, Look, I love it when movies turn religions on their fucking head um, because, you know, I, I, it, it really riles up whatever religion you're talking about. I mean, the Christians would have just fucking revolted. You can't say that about our Lord. I mean, it would have been fantastic <laughs> to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do love it when movies take religions and just fuck it up. So I would have liked that, but he didn't want to do it because he felt like it was too religious. It was too in their face, but I would have liked to see that. So the last bit of trivia, I know there's not many. The last bit of trivia is this. I thought this was really interesting. The Android names in all the alien movies follow alphabetical order. So in alien, you had Ash, the Android in aliens and alien three, you had Bishop, B, Bishop. In Alien Resurrection, you had Call, C-A-L-L-C, which was Winona Ryder. And in Prometheus, you had David. So they're doing it in al- alphabetical order. That is so cool. I never knew that. Wow. That's, that's so cool. That's, so there's like a there's a rhythm to it. That's such a cool um, – wow, I never, never knew that. And I, I, I didn't know that thing about um, – wow, I have nothing to say. I'm just – well, I've got one more. I've got one more little trivia. Okay, go ahead. I didn't write it down, but I do remember it. <laughs> the black ooze. The black ooze was um, corn oil and alcohol mixed. Nice. And yeah, and in certain scenes you can see it move. So what they did is they put little mini speakers under the ground and in the pods. So oh, when awesome. they turned the speakers on, the vibrations would make it move. How cool is that? That's awesome. And that's it. That's the end of the trivia. That's really awesome. All right, guys. So uh, first of all, I just want to mention, uh, if you guys think we're going to talk about uh, Alien Covenant, you guys are fucking insane. We will never, ever talk about that. <laughs> we will never. Please, God, no. <laughs> I want to read it. I'm going to shout it to the high heavens. We will never, ever, ever talk about that fucking movie on the show. <laughs> Absolutely not. I hate that movie. So much, but with that being yeah. yeah, but with that being said, 
uh, thank you so so much for uh, sticking with us through through this magnificent discussion about one of my favorite films from Ridley Scott. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you today about that, and I hope that you got something out of our conversation. But until next time, um, as I often say, if someone is kind enough to ever make you a mixtape, that must really mean that they truly love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.